G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're going to take the opportunity to venture into what some might say are slightly deeper waters. Waters we don't often talk about to discuss what it means to be a Christian who understands the supernatural things that are happening when we share the gospel. Of course, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ and what that means for you and I. Well, the disciples not only proclaimed the kingdom, they demonstrated the works and miracles of the kingdom. And that gives us a clue that there are bigger things happening than just a benign conversation. Jesus told Peter in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 that the gates of hell will not overcome the church. Those gates might be described as those strongholds of evil or death or all of the the devilish satanic powers that seek to destroy people. Now we might assume that those strongholds still hold people today. It seems to be that the idea was to displace the dominion of these strongholds with the dominion of the kingdom of God. That's sort of logical, isn't it? What did the Apostle Paul mean in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, when he said, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Well, a discussion today about what's happening in that spiritual encounter that happens when you respond to the gospel or when you share the gospel with another person. Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim with some excellent resources on helping equip Christians to be able to effectively share the gospel. He's back with us today. Stu, a special welcome back to 2020. Great to be back, Neil. Well, Stu, what a great topic of conversation and uh, venturing into these waters. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes we think, uh, you know, I'm under this sort of obligation. I've got to go and share this gospel message. Mm. You know, it might be the message of the cross. Uh, might be a mas- message about uh, repentance and receiving mm. God's forgiveness. And sometimes we think that that's just something that's going on, a benign type of conversation that deals only with uh, brain matter that's going on in our thinking. Uh, This takes things a little bit deeper, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And uh, this is why I always say that although apologetics is something that every Christian should learn uh, so we can give a defense of the faith, apologetics on its own will never save anyone. Um, it can remove barriers to faith um, that, that people have, you know, to, to come into faith. But ultimately, it's the gospel, which is the power of God under salvation. So we need to go past the intellect. We don't want mental assent from people. Yes, yes, yes. You know, Jesus is the way. We there, there needs to be a heart change in people's lives in order for salvation to happen. So it's more than just the the intellect. There's a lot more going on. There's the heart. There's the soul, uh, and of course, it's the spirit. Uh, the spiritual realm that that uh, you know is, is is all happening concurrently when we're sharing the gospel. 
Uh, let's uh, bring into this idea here. Uh, um, there's a certain sort of professionalism that you could have uh, mm-hmm. in sharing the gospel. Sure. I imagine that when we start to talk about all the other dimensions that are going on, uh, the way we articulate those words, the way we professionally uh, share, uh, you know, the uh, you know the four points or whatever it might be uh, of the gospel, that all of a sudden come, becomes a little bit less important uh, mm-hmm. because you realise that there are other things that are happening and Mm. even that the encounter that you might have is something that God has set up in advance. What are your thoughts about, you know, this feeling that, you know, if it is just an intellectual exercise, Mm. uh, that uh, getting it all right would would have to be the highest goal, but that's not always the case. No, it isn't, although I'm a big advocate for clearly communicating the gospel (laughs) as an evangelist, and and I think, you know, this is the best message of all time, and we've got to be the best that we could be at, at proclaiming it. So I think we've got to be clear, we've got to get rid of our jargon, we've got to, you know, communicate in a language that people can understand, got to use good uh, modern tools that will engage with people, uh, that, that won't, uh, that, you know, look like we're just judging people and slamming them, a balanced presentation which balances the, the law and the and the judgment of God with the love and grace of God. You know, all those sort of things have got to be, uh, you know, are really important things. I do believe that. But we are the, we've got to understand that we are the minor player. In this whole thing, the the gospel and the Holy Spirit working in someone's lives are the major players. And sometimes, Neil, I know what you're saying, because we think it's all up to us. If we, if we can just say it in the right way, we'll have the best argument possible, or we can convince someone, then they'll come to Christ. But no. The major players is, is God working through his Holy Spirit in someone's heart. And, of course, I know that there is research that's been done that mm. when people do respond to the gospel, this is not the first encounter that they've had. That's right. Uh, they've had lots of things, and it might even be over the course of their lifetime, things mm. that have happened, things they've seen, things that they've heard. Mm-hmm. And when you share your uh elements of the gospel, that Mm -hmm. might not be all that they are making a judgment or that might not be all that they are making a decision to follow Christ based on. Absolutely. You know, I think the statistics say there's between seven and nine uh, on average encounters, positive encounters of Christianity before someone comes to Christ. It's it's very unusual for the first Christian someone meets to hear the gospel and and come to Christ immediately. Uh, It's normally uh, a number of encounters and we're a link in the chain. And that's why, again, I think we, we need to relax when we're doing evangelism and not feel that our responsibility is to take them from zero to a hundred in one go. It's just we share the gospel, we communicate it clearly, but we allow the Holy Spirit to to continue that journey because people are on a journey. It's not it's not a you know like a this is not the one shot that they've got and that's it. Uh, God's journey in their life, He's working in their life. We're a part of that. We want to take them another step further. Let me ask you a hard question at the start of our conversation here, Uh-oh. Stu. <laughs> Is it possible that when you're sharing the gospel, and you know sometimes these conversations mm. almost grow into an argument, Yes. Uh, is it possible that in the heat of even an argumentative conversation about the gospel, that the person who is being most argumentative and arguing against you, in fact, what's going on spiritually in them, may actually be the most positive thing, and they are turning even in that moment, even though they might be, uh, you know, shouting you down, uh, calling you names, that God is actually doing something in them, and all you're doing there is is trying to hold your own. Sure, yeah. 
I mean, I'm not a big advocate of, of arguing with people in general, <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. Uh, God is at work, and, and you don't always see sign of that on the surface. And I, I know that for a fact that sometimes I've really felt led by the Holy Spirit to a particular person, and there doesn't need to seem to be any response at all from them. And I'm going, but I really felt led, and, and God, you know, I felt that, that I should have spoken to that person, felt strongly. And then there's other times when I haven't felt a, a lot of leading at all, or or the person on the outside of showing, it seems like they're disinterested, that there's no interest at all. And then I've been contacted. I've received a text message or, a, or an email from them because I leave my details in a book that when I get, you know, at, at the end when I've finished the presentation with them. And then I get a text message or an email saying, I've just given my life to Christ. And I'm like, what the? <laughs> I had no idea there was something going on. I thought you were disinterested, you know? And so it's amazing. I mean, this is God's work, though, and it's just a privilege to be a part of it. That old saying, you can't judge a book by its cover. Uh, I imagine that, you know, if you're, I mean, you do like street evangelism as well sure. as all sorts of other personal evangelism, uh, you can't pass a judgment and say, that person looks like they'd be, you know, uh, accepting of a gospel message, and this mm. one doesn't. Uh, you you can't judge the book by the appearance of the person. No, you can't. And uh, sometimes uh, the, the person that looks like they might be very accepting is uh, the one that tells you where to go. And, uh, that, you know, you might have a real hard-looking person that looks tough on the outside, but they're just a, a uh, you know, gentle giant. You know, they just uh, they melt under the, the gospel. And, you know, I've had that, that happen where people, people have said to me, I, I think God just sent you to me. And I thought, flip, I was scared to go to you. <laughs> you know, look, you didn't look like the sort of person that was going to give me the time of day. But you, you just don't know. You can't judge a book by its color. God knows what's going on. Okay. Yeah. God knows what's going on. So in your encounter, uh, in this spiritual encounter that you have when you are sharing the gospel, and let's uh, let's bring it into the context too. Maybe you are the person who is standing there, you're a non-believer, and someone is sharing the gospel with you. Mm. Uh, how might we understand uh, that there is a spiritual activity that's going on around that conversation, that mm. it's not by accident, this is a divine encounter, and God has got his hand on that person who's the non-believer. Mm. How do you describe the spirituality of this encounter? Well, I, I think our, our part, again, is such a minor part. We, we sort of think it's all about us. <laughs> <laughs> but but God is journeying with that person. There's so much, so many things going on in their life, and God's speaking to that person. And when you come along at that right moment, that God's brought you along to talk to that person, and the Holy Spirit's moving upon their heart, and there, there is a spiritual realm going on. There, there's a fight going on. There's demons. There's angels. This is all real. The spiritual realm, and there's a fight for the souls of men and women. Uh, you know, I mean, what is this war that we're in? What is the spiritual warfare? Well, there's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, and they're, they're at odds. <laughs> the devil does not want anyone to make it into heaven. He's not going to make it, and he doesn't want anyone else to either. And he hates us, and he's wanting to, to keep us away from salvation. And, of course, the kingdom of God wants us in there. Jesus loves us. He's drawing us to himself. Uh, and so there's a war going on for the souls of, of men and women. There's a stretch, uh, a, a pulling between the two. And uh, when we present the gospel, it brings a clarity about that battle and a clarity about the two paths that we can take, either the path of the light or the path of darkness, the path of, of forgiveness and hope and, uh, you know, uh, receiving a perfect record, eternal life, relationship with God, or going our own way, the path of death. 
the path of punishment, the path of, of judgment. And uh, the gospel so clearly shows that. And, and all this is going on. We just think we're sharing the gospel, but there's this whole spiritual element that's happening at this concurrently. And let's bring some scripture into this because sure. uh, this is ultimately where we can get a foundation by mm. understanding the scriptures and then recognizing that, you know, when you talk about a spiritual encounter, a spirituality of what might be happening in a conversation sharing the gospel. I mean, uh, one of the most obvious ones that comes to mind, uh, Paul, in Romans chapter 1 uh, one of the most popular scriptures, and uh, in this context, really, really powerful, because he's, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power ah. of God mm. for salvation to everyone who believes, mm. to the Jew first, then also to the Greek. So it's the power of God mm. that happens in the sharing of the gospel. That's right. And this, and that's just one scripture. But mm. uh, the power of God. Sometimes we think it's just trying to convince someone, you know, to believe what we believe. But this is actually a powerful encounter. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And John six sixty five says, "No one comes to the uh, Son unless they're drawn by the Father." And if you look up that word "no one" in the Greek, it's a, this is very insightful. Neil, it means no one. No one on the face of this planet No one on the face of this planet Has ever come to know Jesus Without being drawn by God So the major major players here Are the power of the gospel That, that, that scripture you read that The Greek word in there is dunamis you know, It's that incredible explosive power Of the gospel And the power of the Holy Spirit Who the Father has sent to draw people to himself As sin, righteousness and judgments preached It says he will convict the world of God Guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, judgment. That's in John 8. And so uh, they're the major players. We're the minor player. We sort of think we're, we're the major one, but we're planting the seed that's so powerful. And I, I don't know about you, Neil, but if you've ever planted any grass seed and thrown it out there, uh, I've done that before. And, and you sort of go out and go, why isn't it growing? You know, and, and you go out for a few days and you think nothing's happening, but something's happening under the surface. There's, there's a power at work and you sort of think nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden you go out and there's like a, a centimeter of grass just everywhere all over the lawn. And you're like, wow. How did that happen? And and I didn't go out and stroke my seeds and sing to them and come on, little seeds, you can grow. There was nothing I could do once I planted that seed, but allow the power of the seed to do its work, you know. And and the the power is in that seed as long as you give it the right favorable conditions for growth. And it's the same with the gospel. When we plant that seed of the gospel, we've got to trust that the Holy Spirit will move upon it, water that seed. And that on its own, it'll grow. Now, we may never see a person that was shared the gospel with again. We don't know what's happened to them, but we can trust in the power of the gospel and the power of God working through that. Stu, I know that there'll be some listening to our conversation today who are saying, well, you know, I'm in regular conversations Mm -hmm. about Jesus, about the Bible, sharing these issues to do with God and the kingdom. And uh, I don't feel like there was any big spiritual encounter that was going on. It was just a pleasant conversation, uh, because not every con- conversation is contentious. Uh, so they would, they would they'd be saying, I'm not sure about whether this is a spiritual battle raging in the heavenlies that I can't see. Uh, mm. Maybe you're exaggerating a little bit here, but, but this is actually where the Bible begins to talk about the things that are going on. Uh, let me take you to... Uh, God said to Paul, Acts mm-hmm. chapter 26, and uh, talking about uh, Saul, you know, mm-hmm. Saul who was converted on the Damascus roads and uh, became Paul after that. Well, that is conversion on the road to Damascus. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the words, I am sending you to them, talking about Jews and Gentiles, mm-hmm. to open their eyes yes. and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God mm-hmm. so that they may receive forgiveness of sins mm-hmm. and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I mean, there's there's... Wow. There's about six things happening absolutely uh, in that. And so this conversion experience happens mm. and you see Saul released from all of those things that had him captive. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he's released into these new things. Yes. And it doesn't happen without there being some sort of a power encounter in the battle. Absolutely. Yeah. That power encounter ch- change from darkness to light. I mean, I love that that part of the scripture there it's like it's in there's a lot more happening than we know about and sometimes the casual conversation over the water cooler at work that we think is just a few things that we say we don't know how that can impact someone's life and the ripple effect that can have uh but at the same time you know we're one link in the chain we're not the entire thing but we can have a, a significant impact in people's lives if we share the powerful gospel and allow God to move through that. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Stu Miller is our guest this hour. We're talking about what happens when you are sharing the gospel with someone, Uh, that this is in fact something a little deeper than just a benign conversation, but there is actually a spiritual encounter at work. Uh, We'll take some calls in just a few moments. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Facebook comment, though, Stu, uh, to uh, kick off this little segment with Mm -hmm. from John, who says, A man with a experience need not ever be at the mercy of a man with an argument. Mm -hmm. Your own story is worth it. Tell people factual evidence. People can never argue with your testimony. Uh, Because he then mentions Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. The testimony is very, very important, Mm. an element of this spiritual encounter. Yeah, they overcame what with the word of their testimony and the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Uh, Again, it's showing that spiritual battle that's going on. and, And in order to overcome we need to trust in the blood of the Lamb. We trust in God, and and the the word of our testimony is a very powerful thing, particularly when we uh, share the gospel message, which is uh, as a part of that. Uh, I, I like what John said because you no one can argument argue with your story, and I would encourage every listener here who's maybe a little bit timid and timid and feeling like oh I don't know whether I could share the gospel or I don't have all the answers. First of all, none of us have all the answers, <laughs> and you don't have to. And there's no embarrassment in saying to someone, hey, that's a good question. Let me find out an answer for you. But secondly, if you share your story, it's something that no one can argue with because it's your personal story of how you came to know Jesus, your personal experience. They can't say, no, that didn't happen to you. I mean, what do you mean? You can't argue with that. It's, it's my story. I know what happened to me. You'll never convince me of anything else. And so that's a great point, John. Um, some people, uh, you know, with this whole spiritual thing, Neil, you know, uh, says, oh, they say, look, you, you shouldn't talk about the spiritual realm. You shouldn't talk about the devil, uh, you know, like let, as if we should just ignore him. But, um, it's, it, you know, it's, we, we're not glorifying the devil. We're glorifying God. He's the most powerful. He's, he's, will always win in the end of the day. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there's scriptures like 1 Thessalonians 2.18 where Paul says, For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. You know, Paul was so aware 
of that spiritual battle that he was in. And, uh, and so we need to be aware of that too. And, and if we get some pushback, we understand that we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And, uh, you know, the people aren't the enemy. Uh, the, the, the devil's the enemy, but we are taking ground for the kingdom of God. And we can do as we, uh, advance and, and see souls come into the kingdom. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Val in Ballina in New South Wales. Hello, Val. Welcome along. Good, good morning, Vision Australia. Thank you for so much for taking my call. Um, my, my testimony is that God is faithful even when you have dementia. Um, I'm three years diagnosed. I'd known about it for 50 years. I worked in the industry for 32, and I thought I was too bloody-minded ever to get it. It looks like I might have the toxic Alzheimer's 3, because there's six types of Alzheimer's. The other reason for my call is it's Dementia Awareness Month, and I'm part of a group that is dementia-friendly community, uh, www.dementiafriendly.org.au, all lowercase. And part of our charter is to get 20,000 people throughout Australia to get I Am A Dementia Friend badge. And we've spent $3.9 million towards it. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a country person, a farmer, and I like bang for my buck. So it's a two-edged sword. <laughs> Val, and I, good thoughts. Thank you very much for your call. And uh, we are reminded uh, that Dementia Month... Uh, is worthy something that we can support. Appreciate your call, Val. Did you have anything to say about what Val was uh, making in the uh, initial comments there? Uh, she was saying that, uh, you know, even if you have dementia, uh, the things that you say uh, will be important. So it's not like, uh, you know, there's only a particular type of person who can share the gospel. No, bringing it no. back to our, our gospel conversation. So, uh, yeah. This is a good point, Neil, and um, it's a good point that she brings out. You know, because I think some people think that in order to share the gospel, you've got to have it all together. You've got to be a certain personality type. You've got to be an extrovert, or you've got to be this or that. Uh, you've got to have the gift of the gab, and it's just not true. It takes all types to reach all types, and we need everyone in the battle. Imagine if we're going into a war, and there's only three of us that go out there, Neil, and you know the rest of everyone else goes, "Oh, yeah, I'm not really ready for the battle. You know, I'm, I'm not the right type of person to be in there." But we've got a spiritual war going on here for the souls of men and women, and we need to take up arms. We need to go and fight in that war. And uh, you know, I tell you, that some of the best evangelists, evangelizers that I know, are actually introverted people. They can they can reach people I can't. They they're very gentle. They get alongside people, and they and they they're so easygoing, and they share the gospel with ease. And so I'd encourage you if you you may be listening to this and going, well, I don't have the right personality type, or I've, I've got this uh, medical issue, or whatever. Don't let that be an excuse. You can be used by God. Okay, just ninety seconds out from the news, so we won't have a lot of time to unpack this. But Rob on Facebook says, "Great conversation." For people that may struggle with this, could you explain why Satan hates us? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, Stu, uh, what comes to mind for you? Well, I think firstly uh, he's jealous of us because we uh, have the opportunity of going into heaven, which is where he used to be uh, and um, is no longer allowed in and is banned from. Uh, and his his end is going to be in the lake of fire, you know, tormented forever and ever. So his his future is bleak. Our future is bright. Uh, and so he hates that. 
um, he hates anything to do with God because he rebelled against God uh, and was expelled. And so now his arch enemy is God. And so anyone who's friends with God is an enemy of his. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons, I guess, um, that, uh, that the enemy hates us. Uh, but that would be a couple. Well, our discussion today is about what's happening in this spiritual encounter that happens when you are on either side, perhaps responding to the gospel, or when you share the gospel with another person. Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim, uh, excellent resources when it comes to equipping Christian believers with their ability to effectively share the gospel. We're talking through some of these issues. Uh, Stu, uh, this spiritual encounter, sometimes we think of a spiritual encounter as being what happens at the prayer meeting, mm-hmm. not in the conversation when you are sharing the gospel. What are your thoughts on on where the spiritual things happen most? Well, uh, I mean, definitely prayer is incredibly important, and there's nothing that I'm going to say that's going to undermine praying because uh, prayer uh, is a powerful, powerful thing, and we should all be involved in praying for the unsaved and praying that the kingdom of God would advance uh, and uh, because ultimately like we were saying before the, the power rests in God and his Holy Spirit and what he's doing uh, and so we need to pray that God would intervene uh, in the lives of those around us but we are out on the on the battlefield. We're, we're part of that battle, and the battle actually happens in the the minds and hearts and uh, of of unbelievers who are considering whether they want to follow Christ or not. And a real key uh, part of that process is the power of the gospel, which we've spoken about. That dunamis power, uh, this powerful message that can change people's lives. That we think it's a simple message. How, how could it change people's lives? But all over the world, millions of lives are transformed by the Holy Spirit moving on the power of the gospel. And so we have a real intricate, uh, important uh, part of God's plan to reach people on the battlefield. So the battle isn't just going on in a, in a you know, the back room of a church church or in our prayer closet at home where we're asking God to do everything, he's wanting us to be actively a part of the battle, out there on the fields, uh, engaging with people, with the gospel, and then he moves powerfully upon people's lives. And so we can be a part of that. I imagine the best scriptural illustration for that might come in those verses in Ephesians chapter Mm 6 that talk about wearing the full armor of God. That's right. Uh, Because oftentimes we think, oh, we need to have this armor of God uh, on to Mm -hmm. to be able to face the challenging circumstances of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is a certain sense here in which which when you're wearing that armor, you're not just wearing it while you're at the prayer meeting. That's right. Uh, You're actually wearing it in your day-to-day encounters with people, and Mm -hmm. therefore you're equipped to be able to be engaged in a spiritual battle. As you were saying earlier, Mm. it's not a battle against people, but it's a battle against flesh and blood. That's right. And when you look it's at a all... Battle, uh, sorry, about against principalities and powers. That's right, so, yes. I knew <laughs> what you meant. Right. You knew what I meant. <laughs> Better stay it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to cut phone calls about that, Neil. <laughs> now, all those armor pieces that you read in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, you sort of look at them and they're not, they're not for sitting around. They're not just for, you know, uh, going to the prayer meeting, like you say. It's, it's for when you're out on the battle, whether they're offensive, like the sword, or defensive, like the shield. You're still in the battle. You're still in the heat of battle. It's 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 designed for warfare. And, of course, there's the shoes of peace. In order to get out there, you've got to put your shoes on. And uh, sometimes that's the struggle for us as Christians is to put the shoes on and go out with the gospel. 
have our shoes shod with the gospel of the peace. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you can't use your sword or your, or your shield or any part of your armor in the battle if you don't actually go there. In order to do that, you've got to put your shoes on. And I think it's one of the most lacking things uh, for us as Christians is to, to be prepared to have our shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel. And uh, that's one of the things, of course, we do with, with Train to Proclaim is we, we try to, uh, you know, uh, equip people to be able to be prepared, to be able to be ready with the gospel at any moment, to be able to share that beautiful message, that powerful message with people. And and that's why we've uh, developed the, the G7 app um, that's available for people uh, on, our, on our website or just if you've got a phone, you can download it on the Android store or the Apple store. Just type in Gospel in 7 or G7 and you'll find it. It's a great presentation of the gospel, and you can be ready with your shoes shod with the preparation of the gospel, ready to go in this battle. Uh, Let's talk about all of the elements of the armor here, because uh, I suspect... You know that some people will say, "Oh, the armor—that's for people who are involved in the battle." But really, the armor is for all of us. Mm. Uh, it's this helmet of salvation, which is mm-hmm. you know an understanding of you know we're saved by God's grace, not by our own works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know a gift of God, our salvation. You know, we've got the breastplate of righteousness. Mm. You've got the shield of faith, mm. uh, extinguishing the fiery darts of the enemy. So those accusations, yes. Yes. Uh, those insults. Uh, that shield extinguishing those things. You have the sword of the spirit, mm, uh, and I think of the, I, I think of the uh, you know it depends on whether you're left or right handed here, but I think of the the shield mm. uh, on my left arm, yes. and I think of uh, my right hand holding the sword of the spirit, which is mm-hmm. the word of God. Mm-hmm. Then you've got this sort of idea of a belt of truth around the waist, mm-hmm. and as you uh, say, uh, having those shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. So mm-hmm. you've got this you've got on the whole arm. Mm. And uh, then, of course, we're, we're encouraged to stand. Sure. And uh, so this idea of having armor is an important element of even for all Christians mm. uh, who are in their walking day to day in their walking, in the, walking in their Christian life. Mm. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you can't just take one piece of armor and go out into battle. <laughs> You know, if you haven't got your shoes on, it's going to be pretty rough going out to battle. If you haven't got your sword with you, it's going to be pretty rough. If you haven't got any faith, it's going to be pretty rough. Uh, We need all these things, and that's why it's important in our discipleship to uh, become whole as Christians. Uh, But it's for a purpose. Sometimes we go Bible study after Bible study, prayer meeting after prayer meeting, and church meeting after church meeting, and we're, we're dousing ourselves with, you know, trying to become more righteous and more built up in our faith and know the word of God more and more, and we're getting all these these armor and trying to strengthen it all. But if we don't go out to battle, Neil, what's it for? Exactly. It's supposed to be so we could actually walk out into battle. And that take, that's why I mean the, the, the shoes seem to be the, the missing piece for a lot of Christians. We're, we're very strong in a lot of these other areas. But how beautiful it are the feet of him who brings good news, Romans tells us. Oh, look, I I read of a very amazing illustration about our Christian walk uh, just yesterday, in fact. Uh, the idea that uh, which ship did you sign up for? Did you sign up to go on the cruise liner? Mm-hmm. Or did you sign up to be a part of the Navy aboard a battleship? Now, I'm sure that there's a lot of us who would like to think, well, uh, you know, I'm saved by grace. Uh, it's God's special gift to me. And he's set me in a wonderful cabin on his big cruise liner. And uh, it's wonderful. There's great entertainment. In fact, you know, the 
the entertainment program is fabulous. I go to see that on at church every Sunday. And yep. uh, and there's a certain sense in which all my needs are looked after and I'm here on a cruisy holiday. Mm. There's the other side which says I'm actually enlisted in the Navy of God yes. and he's actually set me on a battleship. Mm. Uh, and there's two different ways to look at this. What are your thoughts about how we sometimes want to feel like we're on the cruise ship when, mm. in fact, uh, there's something more important that we need to do? Well, I think it's very sad that there's, uh, you know, in some churches there is a, a bless me culture. There is this cruise ship mentality where, you know, you come to church, bless me, pray for me, do, everything's about me, 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 and it's like offer me the best spiritual goods and services and I'll come to your church type thing, uh, you know, which is uh, Jesus said, you know, if you're not prepared to, to and take up your cross and follow me. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. You know, if you don't, if you put your hand to the plow and look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. He he was pretty harsh about it. He was saying, look, we're we're here for a purpose. You you need to take up the work. You need to take up your, the the um the, the fight that we're in. And so it, this isn't going to be a cruisy thing. The highway to hell was. Uh, easy and many people pass on it, but the the narrow road was hard. He says, and so the hard road is always uh, described as the Christian life. It's not an easy road, and so uh, it really is the, the not the cruise liner. <laughs> Although we are blessed by God, we are you know we receive so many good things in God, and uh, you know it's not denying those blessings, but it's to say, look, Neil, we've got one life here. We only have one shot at this. We've got a battle that we're engaged in. There's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. Are you going to be in the fight or are you going to get to the end of your life and go, man, I just looked after number one myself. I was blessed and you know enjoyed all the good things of God, but what did I achieve for eternity? What did I achieve for the kingdom of God? Well, I really wasn't in that fight. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but when, when I'm 80 years old and I look back over my life, I don't want to... I don't want to have that experience. I want to say, oh, I've been in the fight. I've fought hard. I've run toward the race towards that prize. I've given it on my all for eternity. I've, I've shared the gospel with as many people as I can, and I've seen God move powerfully, and we've seen the kingdom of God with more people in it because I've been a part of God's plan than if I had just sat around and eat pizza all day. You know, Stu, I think that sometimes hearing those sorts of things can be quite confronting. Sure. Because uh, we feel like we didn't always sign up for this, sure. uh, a battle, a war, uh, mm. you know, spiritual warfare. Uh, but there's a certain sense, isn't there, that uh, the urgency of the mission mm. and the value of the human soul, yes. they come into play here because even if we feel like we're on the cruise liner mm. and doing things comfortably, yes. somebody is whispering in our ear, you know, souls are important. Mm. Uh, the world is needing mm. to be won, uh, a, a spiritual battle, a confrontation, light versus darkness, because mm. the light displaces the darkness. This sort of stuff has to happen. But, mm. but this value of a soul mm. and whether or not we actually feel like people People are valuable when it comes to souls. This mm. is probably an important element of, of what it means to actually take up a battle. Mm. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? There's nothing more important than the souls of of men and women. And I think, you know, we're going to have all of eternity to worship God. We're going to have all of eternity to, to, uh, you know, to do a whole lot of things, to fellowship and do a lot of things that we enjoy today. But we only have one shot on this earth to share the gospel and see people come into the kingdom of God. And then that door closes, that door closes, and that's it. And that's, uh, you know, if we really do uh, love people, if we really do care about souls and value souls like God does, uh, we will want to be a part of, uh, we want to be out there on the battlefield. I know it's, we, we don't necessarily feel like it's what we signed up for, uh, but whether we like it or not, we're in this battle. And if we care about it, it's not, to me, it's not about, oh, I've got to go out into the battle. It's like, I love Jesus. I love people. That that collides with wanting to see them come to know Jesus and live with him forever in heaven. And because of that love, it should be motivated by love. Uh, we want to get out there. We want to share with as many people as possible and be as effective as possible for the kingdom. It raises an important point, and some people might be even critical of our conversation today mm-hmm. uh, in saying, aren't we better off not knowing that there's a battle going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, and why don't we just go out and share the love of Jesus and uh, with the expectation that people will respond to that loving message? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a certain sense in which that's true. Uh, there's some. Are you familiar with the uh, the C.S. Lewis uh, writings called the Screw Tape Letters? I am. Uh, you know that was a significant piece of writing. A whole bunch of letters that C.S. Lewis actually did as like a newspaper column and uh, put them all together. And there was all these letters. Uh, and the idea was that in the story of the Screw Tape Letters was a senior demon whose name was Screw Tape. And uh, he was looking after his nephew called Wormwood, mm-hmm. uh, who was a pretty, uh, you know, um, incompetent demon and uh, not doing such a good job. So Screwtake takes on his nephew, uh, Wormwood, and under this mentorship uh, looks to, uh, you know, to try and secure the damnation of a British man called the Patient. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what C.S. Lewis did there, and he's one of the best theologians of the 20th century, and begins to describe the sorts of things that are going on around the valuable soul, the mm. person who is the patient. Uh, this sort of thing gives us a, a great insight. And, of course, it's sort of fictitious what he's writing, but sure. gives us a great insight theologically into what's going on based on the Scriptures. Mm. I mean, Second uh, Corinthians 2.11, uh, Paul writes, For we are not ignorant of his devices. And I sort of think if, if Paul wasn't ignorant of what the, the enemy's doing, neither should we be. And I, I just sort of think it's it's a ludicrous to go into a battle and just go, well, you know, I don't know what the enemy's up to. I don't know what his strategies are. I don't know what he's trying to do. We should be aware of what the enemy's up to, not not to glorify him, but to understand the battle that we're in, to understand how we have the victory through Christ and through uh, the word of God and the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. We understand that battle that's going on because who would ever go into a war and, and not know how many people were coming against you? I mean, Jesus said that. He said, you know, same as a man building a house. He doesn't, you know, he's got to count the cost before he builds it. A man going to war has got to count how many of the enemy is coming against him. Cause if he's only got half the amount of troops, he's going to send a delegation of, of peace, you know, for a truce. So you've got to understand who we're up against. And now, of course, we have the victory and we understand that, but we can't be so high in the clouds in our spirituality that we just go, we've got the victory in Jesus. We don't need 
worry about the devil. I think we're in this war and we've got to know our enemy, but understand the power of God will always triumph. You know, the thoughts that come to mind as you share that, Jesus sent out the 12, yep. uh, talking about the disciples, and he sent out the 72, mm-hmm. and they came back with all sorts of reports. Yes. You know, even yes. the demons were subject to us uh, when we spoke and when we prayed for those people. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we have the Great Commission that he's yes. sent us too. And so mm. we ought not to be expectant that there won't be uh, these sorts of spiritual, powerful encounters. Mm. Uh, when we talk about all the things that happened when Jesus sent the 12 and sent the 72, mm. ought we be expecting that those sorts of things might happen when we are just doing this very simple thing of sharing the good news? Mm. Absolutely, because we're racking up the, the enemy uh, and these things are reality. And when people's lives change, the enemy doesn't like it, and uh, there is demonic manifestations. There is, uh, you know, people do get healed. You know, like there's amazing things that happen. Uh, you know, that are supernatural things that that only God can do, and uh, we and these signs follow those who believe. Uh, Stu, let's talk about some of those manifestations for a moment, mm-hmm. because earlier on, uh, when we were talking about having, uh, you know, sharing the gospel with someone, mm-hmm. and then it develops into an argument, uh, people mm-hmm. calling your names, uh, people, you know, uh, wanting to put you down in all sorts of ways, sure. could that be something of a, you know, a demonic uh, thing that's happening? In you know, all you're doing there is very simply sharing the gospel, but mm-hmm. what the response that you're getting. Could that be demonically inspired? Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I think you do see that. But I, what I would say is that you know um, I think it could be two things. One, it could be the enemy, you know, uh, moving through that person and and a reaction there, a spiritual reaction, which we shouldn't take personally. Um, we just do what we're called to do. But the second thing is we've got to be very careful that the way that we come across is not arrogant uh, and is, you know, we're humbly, lovingly, gently sharing the gospel message and they're not actually reacting to us <laughs> because I do see that a bit as well. Sometimes we come across like I've got all the answers and you need to sit down, shut up and listen and I'm going to preach to you the gospel. And when we come across like that, people just rack up, uh, you know, in the physical Against the the approach or the way that we're doing it, and I think um, each of us need to learn how to lovingly and gently uh, articulate the gospel without any jargon uh, and in a way that that people will understand. And I, I've found that since I've learned how to do that and I've been trained and equipped in that, I've find a lot less people raking up at me and a lot less arguments that I have because uh, they sense the the loving and gentle way that I'm coming across and. I'm not shooting above their head with a whole lot of religious jargon, um, connecting on a language that they can understand, and I get a lot less bad reactions. But it won't mean that there's no bad reactions because you do still have that spiritual element as well. Well, what comes to mind, of course, is Jesus uh, who said to the disciples, and I think Mm. it's John chapter 20, just as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And it's like right. he's sending out the disciples mm. to be representatives of him, uh, yes. the hands and feet of Jesus. So, uh, so if people are going to be, you know, having the prickly, contentious, argumentative uh, Neil uh, in a in a conversation here, that might not be representative of Jesus. So I suppose mm. that when we're learning to share our faith, what we're actually learning to do is learning mm. to share our faith just the way Jesus would share faith. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and I think if you look at the Gospels, the interesting thing for me is that the reaction, the bad reaction to Jesus, 
it all comes from the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the you know like they the, the religious leaders of their time the 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 sinners that he he mixed with the the prostitutes and tax collectors and others loved Jesus uh, because he was so loving and so uh, he so connected with them so we don't see our examples in scriptures of of uh, sinners reacting badly to Jesus, they all wanted him to come to their place, and and uh, they sense that love. And so I think you know that sometimes the reaction that we have when we're sharing the gospel, uh, that the most negative responses that I have is from from actual Christians who are, but you know, <laughs> rather than um, actually from people who appreciate that you're sharing with them. Uh, I have atheists that I share with, and they and they still say thank you at the end of it because they can still sense that even though they don't believe what you're saying, they can still sense that you're doing it out of love and concern for them. So, we really uh, are running very short of time. Let's take one last call, but we'll need to be quick. Sue is in Geraldton in WA. Sue, need to be quick, but what are your thoughts? Are you with us, Sue? No, we've lost Sue. Sue, we've missed that opportunity. Uh, we are about to uh, have to end our conversation. Stu, I do always like to mention your G7 yes. or the Gospel in 7 app, and people mm. can use that. It's a simple way of being able to articulate and deliver a gospel message. That's right. uh, there's also wonderful resources that people mm-hmm. can have uh, when they go to your website. And, of course, the website is traintoproclaim.com yes. and uh, free resources that you can very easily access at traintoproclaim.com. What I do want to mention, though too is that you do seminars yes uh, you go to churches mm-hmm. uh, you'll talk to all sorts of groups who are interested in being equipped to be able to share their faith uh, you've done a bunch of these of recent times but uh, yep. people contacting you as a result of our conversation today you'll be happy to connect with them absolutely I'd absolutely and uh, I'd love to, to work with any church that or any group that's wanting to be more fully equipped to share the gospel uh, if I can help out I'd love to do that train to proclaim.com and you'll find links there for the gospel in seven app and all of those free resources i was talking about and how you can be personally in touch with Stu miller train to proclaim.com Stu, thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020 thank you before you go thanks for listening there's lots more great audio on demand or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au and remember vision is listener supported Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.